I think it's 11.42 and we're so thankful to have you join us this morning when it rained and I know some, uh, I'm not going to put them on blast, but some people didn't come because it rained. You know, but anyway, if you're watching right now, I hope you feel conviction. But, uh, no, I'm joking, I'm joking. No, but it, it is good to be with you here today and uh, it's always good to to dig into the scriptures together. That's why we're here, to remember what God has said in his word. It's crucial and, and very foundational for us to, to build our lives on what God says. Because life is very just full of uh, storms like Jesus described. And it's, he talked about two foundations being laid, one on sand and one on rock. And the sand really is when you build on things that are temporal. You know, things that really don't matter at the end of the day that we make matter to us. Um, but we, we as Christians, as the church, we're built on a solid foundation, you know, and we need that because, number one, we live in a world that's very antagonistic to our faith. We might not be persecuted like believers right now in Afghanistan, but we're definitely challenged by the world we live in. So we have the world that definitely seeks to take us you know, to places and to ideas that go contrary to God's word. We also have the flesh. We have ourselves. You know, we have this problem right here that, you know, that we're going to talk about today. And this really is our greatest enemy. You know, because it's disguised. It's, you know, it's, we think that we look fly, we look good, you know. But then God has a funny way of showing us who we really are in trials. And then finally, we do have Satan and his demons, the demonic realm. The Bible's very clear in Ephesians 6. It talks about the spiritual warfare we're in. And so what did Jesus do when tempted, when faced with, you know, demonic opposition? He said, it is written. And that's why we're here today, to remember what is written in his word so that we can remember that it's been inscribed in our hearts if we are of covenant faith. And so uh, today we're in James 1, verses 22 through 25. James 1, 22 through 25. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version, starting in verse 22 of James 1. It says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. I'll read it one more time and then I got to get through it, y'all. Okay. <laughs> this is why God's word is so good. Someone asked me, can we please preach on another text, another book? And I said, look, we just got to go through it. And that's God's word. It's a sword. It's a, the knife that cuts down to the bone and marrow. We need this. Let's read it again. Verse 22 to 25. But be doers of the word. And not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer 
who forgets, but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. This is the word of the Lord. God, we pray that we would glorify you in the preaching and in the hearing of your word. Today we're talking about being a doer of the word. We come on Sundays, God, we come to Bible studies, we hear wonderful things about you. We see, Lord God, even sobering things about you. God, I will pray that for those of us who are in a season of challenge, with sins in our lives, with issues in our lives, God, would you help us to be doers of your word? We pray, God, that this would be implanted in our hearts, that it would bear fruit. Help me not to look at people, but to look to you for my help. And God, I pray that they would not look to me, but to look for you to help them and to look to you as their help. And so, Lord, help us to be about you today, to glorify you in the listening and in the preaching of the word. God, help us. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. So we covered verses 19 to 21 last week, if you remember, and we started off with what every person should do in verse 19. So let's go back a little bit in verse 19 and read. It says in verse 19, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. So James began to tell his readers to know or to understand what he's about to say to them. They needed to understand what he was saying. They needed to pay careful attention to what is being said here in the book of James in verse 19. And every time he addressed them as beloved brothers, remember that it was out of a concern for them. He was warning them about something. In verse 19, he warned them that they should be, as with every person, quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. We asked the question, why would James be so concerned with persecuted believers and needing to be quick to hear? Well, he was concerned with their conduct when faced with situations that may have pressed them to be quick to anger and to be quick to speak. I don't know about you, but I talked about last week how at times when I'm pressed by someone who's very disrespectful, it's very hard to be quick, to be slow to be rational. But James wanted persecuted saints to be quick to hear, which at times when we're pressed is hard to do. He wanted them to be slow to speak, slow to anger, so that they could be like God, who was himself slow to anger, as we read from the Old Testament scriptures that we recited last week. We forget how slow God is to anger and how patient God has been with us. We forget that, especially in the moment of being pressed. James was concerned with what believers produced in verse 20. In verse 20, he warned them about the anger of man, where he said, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So we define the anger of man as a strong feeling of displeasure where the person desires to react with hostility and vengeance. So even in situations that would have caused believers to experience Feelings of anger, James called believers to be slow when angered. Nothing nothing good comes out of being angry. The anger of man cannot produce good things. 
We read in Galatians 5, 19-21 that fits of anger was listed among things like sorcery and idolatry. So in anger, the believer should recall what the scripture has said about God, who is himself slow to anger. And what Jesus said about loving enemies, you remember that? We're to love them. Do good to those who persecute you. Very hard to do when you're being persecuted and pressed. From the Old Testament scriptures to the New, we have clear commands as to how to deal with situations and people who can cause us to be angry. And what should be produced out of us is listed in Galatians 5, 22-25. You know what you should do when you're pressed? You need to love. When you're pressed, and I've heard stories of missionaries being pressed, even threatened, even being burned to the stake, having joy. Having a peace, having patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. As we show fruit, we should also live a life of putting away what comes from the flesh. And we should also live a life of receiving what the word of God says to do. We should receive it and not fight it. Your problem happens when you fight what God's word says, when you know what it says at the time. You know what it says, but you want to do opposite of what it says. That's why James 1.21 says, Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive, listen, with meekness, the implanted word which is able to save your souls. James wanted the church, God's people, to know that we are to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, because an angered heart full of rage cannot produce what God has called us to produce. God's, God's will for us is to put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Filthiness being moral filth, moral impurity, and wickedness being bad character, which we are to put away. In our text, James continues to exhort and encourage believers to be doers of the word and not hearers only. He wants, he's concerned with action. There's a lot of people that talk. There's a lot of good talk in church. We need people that do. People that have action, fruit bearing, which is really the mark of the Christian. And I saw three things in verses 22 to 25 we're going to talk about. First, in verse 22, we're going to talk about the command. Verses 23 and 24, the hearer. And then point number three, the doer, verse 25. So the command to hear the doer. So let's read the verses prior to verse 22 since James seems to be contrasting here with what he wrote before. Let's go back again. Let's read the word of God again together. Verses 19 through 22, he said, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Then he says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. So when James starts with, but be doers, he's actually saying, but rather than or more than that, become doers. So more than putting away filthiness and rampant wickedness, be doers. It's you already know that what you're doing is wrong. 
You know, I have to tell people, like, you know, when they do something that's contrary to God's word, I'm like, all I got to do sometimes is look at them. They already know. And some of y'all already know because we sat down in my living room and I was just like, come on, man. <laughs> you know, that look, you already know filthiness and rampant wickedness. Put that away. But more than that, more than avoiding sin, which is not enough, when one says they believe, they should, there should be action that proves that one has the faith they profess to hold in avoiding temptation and producing good fruit from it. God wants action. He wants fruit bearing, which he does in our hearts. James, when speaking of a doer, he's talking about someone who does something. He's talking about someone who acts. The word doer actually comes from the Greek word poet. The idea is that it's not enough to hear. You have to write down what you hear and what you think, which a poet should do. A doer is someone who moves past hearing and speaking only to writing down, putting into action what they heard or thought. Now, a poet was someone who memorized what they wrote down, which takes time. You remember the P4CM crowd. I don't know if you remember P4CM and how they would actually do poetry. And it, it was actually frowned upon if you had a piece of paper and you read from a piece of paper and started doing poetry. I remember in, in, in hip hop culture, you know, freestyling, you know, like we used to value when people used to, you know, from the top just start coming up with rhymes. They weren't written things. It was just from the top, right? Now it's like, you know, everybody writes and then memorizes and then act like it's freestyle. That's not freestyle. <laughs> Gotta go back to the 80s and 90s, y'all. That's real hip hop. But by the way, <laughs> memorizing, studying, writing down. The idea here is that a doer does something. A doer is someone who moves past hearing and speaking only to writing down, putting into action what they thought and heard. Now, a poet was someone who memorized what they wrote down, which takes time. A doer is someone who hears the word, understands it, is able to speak it, but most importantly, do it. Show for it. Show with action. Poetry can be full of theory and creativity without action. One can speak lofty things but show nothing in their action for it. But a true poet writes down and memorizes what they wrote. They take time to care about what they say. This is exactly what James wanted believers to do. He's telling them, the persecuted saints, that it's not enough to receive. It's not enough to hear. It's not enough to speak the word. One must show that they have heard it by their actions. Become doers rather than just receiving the word is what James is saying here. Receiving with meekness the implanted word, but more than that, be doers of the word. Remember that James did not want believers to just receive the word. Receiving meaning be ready and willing to accept the word with humility and gentleness, with meekness. Even when faced with situations that would cause him to feel angry. Being a doer of the word meant that one would show that they believe even when faced with trials and, yes, even temptations. Later in chapter 2, James actually deals with the faith without works. But here he's cautioning believers that they must move past receiving and believing to doing what the word of God says to do. Showing for what they believe. 
Obeying God, not just knowing God. James is speaking of obeying the word of truth that has been implanted. Listen, this is an imperative. This is a command. Do it. You say you believe, do it. If the word of God has been implanted and established in your heart, you must show for it. Being doers is a call throughout the scriptures. And I just want to point out a couple examples. Jesus was very clear about the issue of doing what God says to do. Check it in Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. This is very interesting here. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Check it. He says, now everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Notice first how in this passage that there's a lot of doing here. There was a lot of doing here. They prophesied in his name. They cast out demons in his name. They did many mighty works in his name. So the actions and things being done in Matthew 7 is not what James is talking about in our text. Don't get me. Don't mistake in what I'm saying. I'm not saying do these things so that you can be Christian. Ministry, as an example, should be a result of someone doing what God wills. God's will for believers to be obedient and desiring to live holy, which those in Matthew 7 did not desire to do. There was a lot of action in Matthew 7. There was a lot of good things happening. It is a good thing to prophesy in his name, to cast out demons, to do many mighty works in his name. It looks good, but they were practicing lawlessness. This is why I warn people about those who brag about casting out demons and doing many mighty works. I see that on Facebook all the time, right? I, I see it on, on, on Facebook statuses. Another demon cast out yesterday. Praise be to God. And they keep bragging about these things that I'm reading in Matthew 7. Prophet so-and-so came and prophesied the word to us. Praise be to God. Demons were cast out. Praise be to God. God is doing all this stuff in our church. All these mighty works. You know what? You can have all that and not have Jesus. You can do all that and have Jesus say, I never knew you. So don't hear James saying here that to be doers is to do ministry or creating a to-do list. That's not what he's saying here. God's will is your sanctification. 1 Thessalonians 4.3, what Paul said, being a doer does not mean doing more or doing ministry. Jesus is talking about obedience and the Holy Spirit sanctifying us, which is what compels us to do ministry. Do we need help here at Christ alone? Yes. But you know what? It's not about how much more we need to do. We do out of being. We do out of being forgiven. If I do ministry, it's a result of God's grace. Because I love him, not because it needs to be done. 
Jesus also spoke to those who are truly his mothers and brothers as those who, in Luke 8.21, he says, hear the word of God and do it. So even there, our identification as the family of God is proven by hearing the word and doing it. So our love for Jesus is proven by keeping his commandments. First John 5, 1 through 3, he says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Notice here that doing should not be burdensome. Being a doer should not feel like a weight to us. Even when wrestling with sin, sin is the burden, not God's will. I forgot what I just said. <laughs> sin is the burden, not God's will. It really is true. Why is it that in temptation it feels like God's will is burdensome? Listen, what we need at that time is to see that God's will and his word is what we need. It's what we live on. It's what we need at that time. To say no to sin, not just because it's wrong, but because you love God. That's what we need at that time. God's word should not be seen as burdensome. The word burdensome means troubled weight which is what sometimes it feels like because it goes against what we want to do at the time. Doing is a result of a love for God and most importantly, a love that God has for us. It is what happens as God works in us and his will being worked through us. When we fail to do what God calls us to do, listen, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. We definitely have an advocate pleading our cause because you know what? He calls us to do his commandments, to be about action, but we don't do that perfectly. So we need his help to obey. If God's word is truly planted in the heart of the believer, it will show itself in doing what the word says to do. To say we have a love for God is to say that we keep his commandments. The deception comes when one thinks that hearing only is enough. One of the things that we have covered already in Matthew 7 is that a hearer only can look like a doer. They can be prophesying, casting out demons in his name, doing many mighty works in his name, come to church, be in ministry, do all this stuff. But that's not what God is calling as being a doer. A hearer only can do all these things. But they may in fact be the ones that are deceived. Believing that they are of faith but are lost in doing works. Doing church. Without being sanctified. Set apart by the Holy Spirit. There should be some conviction, man. <laughs> Being sanctified, being set apart by the Holy Spirit means that one has conviction, conviction that leads one to repentance and, and turning from their sin. A hearer only does not have this. They don't struggle with sin. What they do is look at themselves and forget what they look like. 
God's word is clear. It says that you're foul. It says that you're, <laughs> what you're doing is wrong. And you turn from it and forget. Which we'll get into this. It actually means to neglect what God says to do. But the command is clear. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Our second point in verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. Now James begins here to show two kinds of people. First, he begins to speak of the hearer of the word. A hearer of the word is someone who hears the word but does not obey it. James goes on to explain what he meant by using the example of a man who looks into a mirror. A hearer of the word only is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. So James is speaking of a hearer who's looking intently at their face, at themselves. Intently, meaning that they observe, they perceive, and give careful consideration to what they look like. James includes the word natural to describe that they see their existence, their appearance. They look intently at how they look like. When one looks into the mirror, it reveals what is actually there. A hearer only is like a man who carefully considers what they look like and forgets what they have just seen in the mirror. Verse 24, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. So what's the point of looking into the mirror? I hope it's to, you know, just fix some things you got wrong with you. You know what I'm saying? I hope you're not there like, yo, you're looking fly today. Like that's pride. Don't do that. If you're doing that, repent. You're not that fly. Um, <laughs> you look in the mirror to fix what's wrong with you, to see what you can fix so that you can look better. Someone who looks intently at their natural face in the mirror and does nothing about it is a hearer only. Someone who looks intently at their natural face in the mirror and neglects, another way of saying forget, if they neglect what they look like, they prove that they are not a doer, but a hearer only. This is not memory loss, but a neglect to fix what they see wrong. In verse 25, we see that forgetting means that one does not act, which again speaks of neglect. When one neglects to act on what they have just seen about themselves, they're a hearer only. That's what James is talking about here. And you know what? Deception happens when one hears the word, sees what needs to be corrected, but then neglects to do what the word says to do. You're deceived. You're deceiving yourself. So a hearer only is one who neglects the word, which can happen to those who claim to have religion. A religious belief or a right acknowledgement of the truth does not mean you are a doer. You can have religion and not have Christ. James talks about this later. A doer of the word obeys the word and shows their obedience by conviction, change, action. And a, you know what? A good fight with sin. You're fighting your sin. Fighting means you're alive. That's why I tell people who have seasons of wrestling, of really struggling with their sin. The very fact that there's a fight means that you're alive. You're fighting it. You're trying to crucify it. You're trying to pin your sin down. And at times you do fail, but again, you have an advocate. 
you go back to God. You go back to church to remember and to hear the word of God so that it can bring correction, training in righteousness so that you can turn away from sin. There is something encouraging here to know. James does not say that there will be a time when you look into the mirror and not find anything wrong with you. You will find something wrong with you. You're not that fly. What he's saying here is that when you do find blemishes, the word of God gives you what you need to act on it. James is not saying that you shouldn't see things wrong with you, but that you should do what the word of God says when you see something wrong. Which is, you know, if we're all honest, we all see things wrong in ourselves. God is looking for attempts to change, moving towards maturity, being a doer who acts and not a doer who is perfect. There's no such thing other than in Christ. Now, there's a teaching called entire sanctification. That actually teaches that one can reach sinless perfectionism in this life. Wesley actually believed this. And by the way, Wesley never met a guy who was without sin because you know what? That will never happen. Poor Wesley. They believe that it is impossible for Christians to be made holy in their behavior. They, they believe it's possible, actually, that a Christian could be made holy to the point of no longer sinning. But the scriptures do not teach this, friends. 1 John 1 8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Don't deceive yourself. You're not that fly. He says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And you know what? The truth is not in us. Sinless perfectionism is false. It's faulty. And Wesley died not seeing anyone who had reached that point. A hearer only is someone who neglects, doesn't act on what the word of God exposes in that mirror. A doer sees the work needing to be done, and they rely on the word with the help of God, the Holy Spirit, to do it. You're not by yourself in your doing. Anyone who's a hearer of the word and not a doer sees themselves, observes what needs to be fixed about themselves, yet neglects what the word of God says about themselves. They go away from what they see and do nothing about it. We, you know, the world is full of this, and sadly, even in the visible church. That's why you get the complaints. I'm not going to church because it, it's full of hypocrites. You hear that's the, that's, the, that's the mantra people actually put out there as the reason why they don't come to places like this, which I would agree and say, yes, you know, we are a troubled people. We are a troubled people, but we serve a perfect Savior. We're trying here. We're trying to live holy. We're trying to live righteous. And you know what? We're not going to be perfect like Christ was. But we rely on his perfect life. We go to Jesus when we do make a mistake. I need to come to church because I need to hear the word of God that confronts my sin. Church should be full of messed up people. James says in verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. So a doer is one who looks not into the mirror to see the natural face. Very interesting. They look into the true mirror of God's word. 
that actually exposes to them what needs to be changed. And they obey with the help of the Holy Spirit. They see themselves looking into the perfect law, the law of liberty. Our last point to do in verse 25, we have to ask the question, what is this perfect law? Well, James is speaking of the complete law of God. When we look into the scripture and see, it, you know, it's very interesting to me that there's a lot of people preaching and avoiding. They, 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 they stay away from certain passages that actually deal with who we are in our wickedness. So that's why they like to jump around in the Bible to talk about like our identity and the treasures we have in Jesus and all that, which is good. But they avoid Ephesians 2. They avoid what Romans says about our filth, about our filthiness apart from Christ, that our righteousness is as filthy rags. Do a study on filthy rags. Paul said that, you know, it's pretty much like a hill of, and I can't repeat the word, but we're filthy. We need Jesus. We need cleansed. We need help. Even as Christians, we do things that are filthy at times. We need help. We need Christ. So these churches are built up on the sole purpose of lifting up man to such a point that it's almost like they don't need Jesus. They don't need Christ. I don't get it. The, the songs and everything, the, the whole ministry is built on this glorified self statue. So when you go to a church, the first thing you got to ask yourself is, are they preaching the scripture? Or are they preaching topics? Topics that have to do with who I am rather than who God is. You know, um, almost like, and this is not even in my notes, I'm just bugging right now because I'm thinking about it. Like, I'm just, it never, like, it never gets played to me to, to, to break my heart. My heart breaks even still to know that there are platforms built on just exalting people to the point of not needing the gospel. They avoid the gospel. They avoid repentance. There's ministries that won't even call sin a sin. They won't say that homosexuality is a sin. They won't, they'll avoid things. But what we're supposed to do, saints, is to look into the perfect law. James is speaking of a, the completed law of God. And you know what? He's using the word where he's talking about looking. The word looking means to stoop, to bend one's head or body downward. James was describing the actions of a doer who not only noticed what they had seen, but they stooped into, inclined themselves to the word of God. It's doing this. When you hear the word of God, you bend, you stoop low, you humble yourself. When you hear it, it's like, okay, that's what I'm supposed to do. Not when you hear it, I'm not going to do that. Look, stoop low into the perfect law. It speaks of humbling yourself to the word, which he said earlier in verse 21, receive with meekness the implanted word. 
James is speaking of the moral law, actually, the laws that speak of not having any other gods before him. He's speaking of not taking the Lord's name in vain, keeping the Lord's day holy, honoring father and mother, not killing, not committing adultery, not stealing that moral law. These laws, which are all fulfilled in Christ, perfectly show us his will for our obedience. Many have made the mistake of seeing the law here as imprisonment. They feel that there is no freedom in stooping low to God's word. But does having other gods before the true living God actually provide freedom? Does taking the Lord's name in vain provide freedom? Does neglect of the Lord's day really show that you are free? Does it make you feel better when dishonoring father and mother? Does killing, committing adultery, stealing really speak of someone who's free? I see that as bondage. See, what this proves is that one is not free, but that they are in bondage when doing these things. The law speaks of the lawgiver. The law shows us what God wills for us to not neglect doing it, hearing it, but also doing it so that we can prove that we are of faith. The law is very much relevant for us today. Not to save us from our sin, but it shows us God's will. Jesus did not come to abolish the law. He actually came to fulfill it. So we no longer have this judgment over us when we read the scriptures. We really have freedom in Christ because when we do other than what God says to do, we have a helper and an advocate. Don't, you know, the thing about the law is that James 2.10 says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails at one has become guilty of it all. So if you stole something from the grocery store, you're no different than an adulterer. You've broken them all. That's why we need Jesus, who broke none of the laws. And then he imputed his righteousness to us, accredited that to our accounts so that we can persevere. When looking into the law completed, we can be free in what Christ has called us to do. So obedience is not bondage. It's actually a result of freedom and perseverance. It is not burdensome, but it should be a delight to obey the law of God. We're taking a class. I don't know if you guys know, I'm taking seminary courses right now. And uh, there's a class called The Doctrine of Scripture. And uh, there was a book in there by Kevin D. Young called Taking God at His Word. And in it, he began to speak about Psalm 119 as one of the greatest examples of Scripture on how to feel about the Bible. That's a good question. How do you feel about what God says? Kevin D. Young says this about the book. He says, the goal of this book is to get us believing what we should about the Bible, feeling what we should about the Bible, and to get us doing what we ought to do with the Bible, giving all that we've seen about the psalmist's faith in the word and passion for the word. It's no surprise that Psalm 119 is filled with action verbs, illustrating the spirit-prompted uses for the word. And he's going to point some things out. In Psalm 119, it says to sing the word. Verse 172, speak the word. Verse 13, verse 46, verse 79, study the word. Verse 15, 48, 97, 148, store up the word. 
verse 11, 93, 141. Obey the word. Many verses on that. And praise God for the word. And pray, he says, that God would act according to his word. Then he concludes by saying, these actions are no substitute for proper faith and affection, but they are the best indicators of what we really believe and feel about the word. He says, sing, speak, study, store up, obey, praise, and pray the word. This is how men and women of God handle the scriptures. The scriptures are not boring. This is a descriptive a description of a doer here. A doer would sing the word of God, do the word of God, take the light in the law of God. Even when it hurts, I know it's the right thing for me. Our perseverance comes from what God has done in Christ, who is the word of God. So being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, the Bible says in here, in our text, in closing, he will be blessed in his doing. You'll be blessed. Even when it hurts, saints, you'll be blessed in your doing. Romans 7, 21 to 25 says, So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but my flesh I serve the law of sin. Romans 7 is that good picture of the war happening in your heart sometimes. How you can delight in the word and yet see other members working that go against what God says to do. But do you know that the Bible wasn't split up in chapters and verses? Read on. Romans 8, 1 through 4. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation, saints. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. There is hope. So saints, my plea to you today is if you're here today and you're wrestling through something in your life, there's things happening that's testing your obedience, live free. Do what the word of God says to do. It is sufficient. It is what you need at the time. Live free. God has given us the means to do what we do with joy and with blessing. Let's be doers of the word and not hearers only. Lord, we thank you for your word. Help us. We are your garden, your field. We cannot produce out of us something by ourselves. It is the result of your work. 
So Lord, help us to be doers of your word and not hearers only. Even when it hurts, Lord God, help us to obey, to pursue you in your word. Your word has no equal. It is the final authority of faith and practice. Help us to cling, to rejoice, to sing, to obey, to study, to, to, to lean off of your word. May we be people of the word of God. Led by the spirit, driven by your word. We ask this in 